Hello and welcome back. My name's Steve Munzer and you're listening to Let's Talk Children's Books, the podcast where I share ideas, interviews and insights aimed at getting young readers to discover and love the best in children's literature. This week I went to have a chat with James Nicholl, the author of three books about an apprentice witch on a mission to prove that she has what it takes to keep the world safe from all that's bad and scary. Here's what he had to say. For those people who haven't opened the pages and haven't discovered Ariane Wynne Gribble and her world of witchcraft, I wonder if you could perhaps describe what kind of a world will they enter and who might they meet? I think they'll enter a world that feels slightly familiar to the world that we live in, but I always imagined the world of the Four Kingdoms, which is where the stories are set, to be a bit like England would have been kind of in the 20s, 30s, 40s. So... You know, there are no TVs, people don't have smartphones, it takes a long time to get anywhere, you know, travel by train. Because as I was thinking about this world of magic, because I didn't want it to be a world where magic had to be hidden. So kind of different from Harry Potter, where the wizarding world is separate from the real world. Magic is just a part of everyday life in this world. Um, and of course, if you have a magical problem, then you go and see your local witch and she sorts it out for you, hopefully. So I didn't want magic to be kind of hidden in back rooms or attics and things like that. I wanted to be very out in the open. And it's populated with people that I think we can all recognise, you know, some nice people, some slightly frustrating people. I didn't want there to be any pure evil, really, in the story, because I think, touch wood, most of us in our lives never meet somebody that's truly evil, but we meet plenty of people that we just can't stand. Ariane Wynne's heart quickened. What had just happened? She glanced down at her hands. Tiny bright sparks of energy flew from her palms and fingertips. The dizzy sensation passed over her again and she struggled to focus. But it's kind of, it's a story that's, the magic is kind of secondary to this story of, of Ariane Wynne trying to overcome this failing that she experiences very early on in the story. So all the witches have to be tested to see how much magical energy they have. And she fails hers quite spectacularly at the very right, beginning. They, they have an evaluation gauge. The evaluation they, gauge, they, yes. Yeah. The only point in the story where there's any wands, so they use like a metal wand to press into the witch's hand, okay. which measures the magical energy. And when the, when the evaluation gauge sputters out the little reading, Ariane is kind of unevaluated. So she's yeah. given a kind of ongoing apprenticeship, given a different <clears throat> badge to all the other witches and sent off yeah. to this remote little town. So this isn't really a school story, is it? No, there's no school. She's kind of, at the beginning of the story, that's all done with. She's finished school. She's finished her initial training as a witch. And that's what she's waiting for. This is, what, this is the moment she's been waiting for, to go out into the world and serve as a witch. Quickly now, Miss Nuremberg, ushering the 15 young witches onto the platform. All wore navy dresses and smart navy coats, their shoes polished and their hair sleek, but all identically damp. Ariane Wynne caught sight of her reflection in a window, a head taller than all the other girls, hair already frizzing in the rain. She sighed. 
Whoever thought it was a good idea to hold a ceremony outside on a wet and cold January morning was mad or sadistic. It was probably Miss Newham. And there are some, uh, there are some creatures. There are creeper and the and the hex and the and various. But what I liked is that they're not too scary, are they? So. You know, it, it doesn't come across as being in any way really dark and sinister. I hope not. I mean, I know I know some people that have read them and, and thought, oh, that's quite that's quite scary. Um, and other people that have read things and, and, like you said, you know, not found it overly dark. Some people found the snotlings quite terrifying, which I wrote the snotlings completely <laughs> thinking it would be comedy. Um, but that's why that's the magic of of writing something and have somebody read it everybody brings their own thing to the party don't they once you pick that book up and you read it it's really nothing to do with me at all it's your imagination yeah. finishing off that story so however you see it however yeah. however it speaks to you is is up to you really so thinking back to when you first came up with the idea of the apprentice which can you sort of remember where those ideas first came from and how it might have evolved and did it change very much from how you first conceived? I think the, the it. it was only really looking back after I'd kind of done several drafts and started to think where things had really come from. I think when I initially set out to write the story, it was just to see if I could finish writing a, a whole novel. I'd started several books and not kind of got all the way through with them. And The Apprentice, which was really my practice novel, that was what I thought it was going to be. I was going to write this book and learn about the process of writing from writing. I never really thought it would get published. But the idea is kind of, I think, as with everything, as, you, as I was writing it, as I was editing it, more things occurred to me and, and you sort of build on it, don't you? It's kind of like if you, you know, with anything, if you're sculpting or painting or any kind of creative act starts off with with a base and then you build on it and sometimes you have to take bits away and add other things onto it so I'd read lots of books around that time where witches were still very much the the baddies in the story and I wanted to know what would happen or they were the secondary characters they were like the supporting characters Um, and I wanted to know what it would be like if the witch was the hero in the story for a change so that was really the the jumping off point for me. A long claw sliced past the side of her face, too close for comfort. Ariane Wynne banked to the left sharply and for a moment feared she might slip off, but the broom responded and she flew forwards, the crawler close behind. One quick glance and she was relieved to see the road cleared and Mr Thorne and Sal heading back to Beryl as fast as their legs would carry them. So who gave you the most encouragement and persuaded you to finish your book and get it out there into the world? Um, very early on, it was it was a few friends. I didn't, there were lots of people that didn't even know I was writing until I went and said, I've got a book coming out. <laughs> lots of, I didn't, I've always been the sort of person, I don't really tell people things unless there's something to tell them. Um, so I kind of, I kept it to myself for quite a long time. But one of my very best friends read some of the early chapters and was really encouraging and and she's not the sort of person to say it just because we're friends you know she's very honest and I trusted her judgment she was the person um that saved Colin Colin was just a very minor character until my friend Katie read the story and she liked Colin so much and said 
does he come back? Yeah. Or do we see more of Colin later on in the story? And I said, well, we could do. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really down to Katie that Colin became such a, a main part of the story. Yeah, so Colin Twine, you hear about him early on in the story, yes. but then, yeah, he comes back again, doesn't he, yeah, near, he near to the end the and end. plays a very important mm. sort of pivotal role. Uh, towards the end of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And that was all down to some of that early feedback. So not many people to start with. And then, um, so a few friends, my creative writing tutor read some of the early chapters as well. And then I heard about an organisation called Golden Egg Academy. Um, and I sent some some of the chapters off for them to have a look at. Again, with very low expectations, um, that all they would say was, this is how you could make it better. I never thought when I sent it that they would accept me onto their programme, and they did. Grandmother spoke, her words firm. I know you would never lie except to protect someone or something, never to protect yourself. You're always looking out for others. So... Three books have been published, haven't they, in the Apprentice Witch series. Yes. Um, do you have any other stories bubbling in the pot? Um, for now, we're, we're letting um, Ariane and Colin and Sally and all the others have a little bit of a break because I think I've meddled with their lives enough for the time being. Um, but I've, I've got lots of ideas for what could happen to them as part of new adventures or even if it's not necessarily them, other characters in that world. Um, so I definitely think at some point I'll go back to the Four Kingdoms and hopefully we'll see Ariamwen and everybody. Um, they're being adapted for TV at the moment as well, so they, that's kind of giving them a, a different life um, because of, there's a whole lot of stuff that, that comes with that, how things that get taken out and things that get put in. So we're kind of letting that be their, their next adventure. Um, I've just getting ready to send something off to my editor for the autumn um, which hopefully will be the next thing that comes out so that's a completely different story is it completely different different world different characters still magical still adventure you know i think there's always you want to provide something for the people that have enjoyed the apprentice witch that they'll think oh i really like the apprentice witch i'll read this because i kind of know roughly what i'm letting myself in for so you, you kind of want to follow up with something that your existing fans will enjoy. But yeah, I think fantasy for me is, is such a, particularly for that age group, was, always, was such a crucial thing for me growing up reading those sorts of books like Narnia and um, The Wizard of Earthsea. All of those things made a big impact on me. So I think it will always, there'll always be that element of magic in the writing yeah. for me. Any other particular books when you were growing up that you really loved and that influenced you in your own writing? Well, I think the book that really had a big impact on me was The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith because I remember quite clearly that being the first novel that I read all by myself from beginning to end. And then the Narnia books, particularly Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, because I was a real scaredy cat as a child, so that was the book that kind of made me realise that children can be brave and the children in that book don't have any magical abilities. They have this magical adventure mm. and they're very brave, but they don't actually possess any magic themselves. And, and it made me think, well, you know, I was only scared of the dark and thunder and lightning and things like that. I wasn't scared of anything like 
witches and stuff like that. That wasn't what my concern was. So it made me realise and think that actually I could be braver. And that, I think, is the power of books, is the way it makes us, they can make us feel differently about ourselves or about the world around us. And then the Le Guin books, when I discovered those, I was probably early teens, um, that was when I kind of realised the power that there is in words to kind of conjure up these different places and these different characters. And, you know, books are all pretty much the same size, same shape. They all use the same 26 letters of the alphabet, but they all are completely different once you turn those pages. And that was when I realised that there was that magic in what someone can do in crafting with, with writing. If you could meet up with any other great author, who do you think that might be? What might you say to them? Or you might have already met some other authors. And I have met some really, I've met lots of authors and really lovely authors that are, you know, who are great at sharing their wisdom. And I was at an event with Judith Kerr several years ago. Um, oh. I was too scared to speak to her. <laughs> I do regret not going over to speak to her. Um, but it was a bit like having the Queen in the room. It was kind of like, I don't think, you know, you don't approach the Queen. You wait for the Queen to approach yeah. you, don't you? Yeah, I've... I, I think it would probably be somebody like Ursula Le Guin. I would love to have been able to to talk to her about her writing, how she approached yeah. it, just where, you know, I know it's it's kind of one of those questions get asked a lot, isn't it? Where do you get your ideas from? But, you know, with some people, you genuinely think, where do they get their ideas from? Um, yeah, I think she would be really at the top of my list. Thank you very much indeed, uh, James, for um, for having a chat with us today. I'm sure everybody uh, will be fascinated to hear what you have to say. And for those who haven't read The Apprentice Witch, get yourself a copy. Uh, and in fact, I've got one here that I shall get James to sign. And uh, perhaps if you can send a message in to the podcast and say who you'd like to give this book to, we'll send it to you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Send me a message using the button on the Anchor FM podcast page or the contact page at munza.co.uk. Tell me who you'd like to give the book to and why. I'll pick one out and pop it in the post to them. Join me next time and if you haven't listened to my previous episodes, have a listen now and let me know which books you would recommend. (music) 